You should all feel very good today because you've had an extra hour's sleep. <laughs> I heard something very funny. I've never heard this before, but someone in prayer mentioned the comment, we've got jet lag after having an extra hour's sleep. Uh, it's great to be here again this morning. And um, for those that were here last week, I thank you for being part of that service. And um, I think last week was a great time of celebration where we uh, welcomed David in as our new youth pastor. You know, in a way, what we saw last week was living proof of the series that I started two weeks ago. What series did I start two weeks ago? We began looking at the topic of relationships impacting relationships. And I really want us to think about how, as a church, our relationships between each other can be impactful, can be dynamic. And um, the good thing is it's not just in church also. We've this series, I want you to actually think outside of our church as well. I'm looking at three people from Scripture, and I came up with a key thought. Every Christian needs a Barnabas to receive encouragement, a Timothy to guide as a protege, and an Aphrodite to enjoy on a peer level. That's the basis of my final sermon, really, that I'm leaving with you. To help, I made up some cards and they're out the front and they look a bit like this. Someone said, what's the purpose of the cards? They're pretty simple. Well, yeah, they are, but it's just to get you thinking, to write names on those cards. And so that way it puts meat in the sandwich and also gives you an opportunity of who you can be praying for. Last time, as I said, we looked at every Christian needs a Barnabas. I touched on the importance of all of us in our Christian life, having a Barnabas in our life, a spiritual mature person that can mentor and have an impact in our life. We said this is important because what does that kind of person provide in our life? A mentor provides a role model to follow, someone that makes you accountable, brings encouragement and offers guidance. When it comes to growing in our spiritual walk, God's plan has always been the same. God wants the relationships of the older Christians impacting the relationships of the younger Christians. Do you know, I read a definition this week that summed up what we looked at last time. Um, I don't know who it was, but it said this. A mentor is someone whose hindsight can become your foresight. A mentor is someone whose hindsight can become your foresight. Every Christian needs a Barnabas someone that has walked the road before. And as they've walked that journey, they've learned some lessons along the way. Every Christian needs a Barnabas. Why? Because their hindsight can become your foresight. We can see in Scripture how Barnabas impacted the lives of many young Christians, teaching them, guiding them, encouraging them and walking with them. And as we focused on last time, Paul was one of those young Christians whose life was impacted. Barnabas had an influential mentoring relationship with Paul. But we can also read in Scripture how just as Paul was graciously mentored by Barnabas, he turned the gracious act by mentoring others in his life. Like Barnabas, we regularly see Paul mentoring, teaching, guiding and walking with young Christians and young Christian leaders. And one of those others was Timothy. So last week I said every Christian 
needs of Barnabas. Why? Well, you're going to receive encouragements and you're going to receive mentor. Today, I say this, every Christian needs a Timothy. Why do you need a Timothy? You need someone to guide as a protege. You need someone to impart to. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you um, that you are all about relationships and that steadfast love that wears read out before, you've given us that. And Father, one of the things you do is you take us and you put us into a family. Father, I pray that as we look at um, this topic today, may we be encouraged and challenged to think about do we have the Timothy in our life? And if not, may we be praying for one. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, again, I'm not going to pick out verses and just read verses. Um, I'm doing a bit of a, a running paraphrase. And what we really see is in Acts chapter 15, um, chapter to 16. And our scriptures reveal that there was a strong connection between Paul and Timothy. So much so that by the time the book of 1 Timothy was written by Paul to him, Paul, uh, Paul was an old man. And when you begin to read this letter, we see how did this old man refer to this young boy, Timothy? What title does he give him in the opening of his villa? Well, it is this, to my true son in faith. Oops, sorry, I think I'm there. So you can see this old man had heartfelt feelings for Timothy. He called him son. I'm sure you're aware that Paul was not literally Timmy's father. So how did their relationship start? How did they come together? Well, in all likelihood, Paul first met Timothy when he was a missionary travelling around the Mediterranean. Acts 14 tells us how Paul and Barnabas went to Timothy's small town home of Lystra. Most scholars believe that while in Lystra, Paul stayed in Timothy's house with his mother and his grandmother. At this stage, Timothy would have just been a child. But man, what a visitor to come to your house. Do you know... As a child, I grew up in Broken Hill. I've shared that before. My dad was heavily involved in sport. He was in every sports club that there was. And one of the main ones was basketball. Uh, my dad was heavily involved in the Broken Hill Basketball Association. Because of his involvement, my dad would often organise different events that would happen in Broken Hill. As a kid, I remember having famous, important people stay over our house. But the one I remember most, and I still remember to this day, was when the Harlem Globetrotters came to my home. Their visit had a very big impact on me as a young boy. I can still picture them and remember the things they did. I remember them spinning basketballs on their finger, putting them under their legs and catching them around their back. They did things with a basketball that I didn't think possible. They were tall, they were black. I remember them, they were able to pick me up and have my head touch the roof of my house. They were huge. Then when they left, they all signed one of those blue, red and white basketballs for my dad as a thank you. That ball sat on our mantelpiece. And so I was reminded daily of the visit that I had with the Harlem Globetrotters as a six-year-old boy. Still remember it, can still picture it. I can't help but think this is what it would have been like for that same young boy, Timothy, when Paul came to his home. It certainly would have been an honour. And just like me as a child with that visit from the Harlem Globetrotters, that remarkable guest Paul certainly would have made an impression 
on that little boy, Timothy, an impression that would remain in his mind forever. There is a difference, however, between me and the Harlem Globetrotters and Paul and Timothy, and that is this. We read in Acts 16 that Paul returns to Timothy's house and stays again in Lister a few years later. This time, Timothy has changed in age. Now he's probably in his mid-teens. However, we read it's not just Timothy's age that's changed, so is his faith. The believer at Lister spoke well of him, we're told. And as I just said, the last visit Paul made, he would have made an impression on a young Timothy. Now we're told, here a few years later, at this visit, it is Timothy making an impression on Paul. So much so that with this visit, Paul is about to change Timothy's life forever. Because of this young man's faith, he can, that Paul can see it. Paul decides to take Timothy with him as he continues on with his missionary journey. That was the start of something special. We read in Acts how Paul circumcised him. This was a kind of sign to say that Paul adopted Timothy as his son. And together from then on, they go from town to town to different churches promoting the gospel. Together, they see the people in these churches strengthened in faith and grow daily in numbers. By the time Paul wrote Timothy, he would have been in his mid-30s. Yet in these two letters, we also gain some insight of the kind of person Timothy was. It was through the instruction, life example and faith of his mother and grandmother that Timothy believed in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why Paul went to their house. We also learn that he was a church leader. Paul and the other church elders laid hands on Timothy as they set him out for his commissioning. We also see that Timothy was a young leader. He was shy in personality. He felt in times inexperienced with the work he was doing. At times, he was weighed down by the responsibilities placed on him. Other people looked down on him because of his age and because of this lack of confidence. We also know all of this caused some sickness for his stomach. So in a sense, when you read Paul's letter to Timothy, you understand Timothy was a young person going through life, reaching out for help. John Stott describes Timothy, he says, when you read Timothy 1... John Stott describes Timothy this way. He says he was very far from being a stained glass saint. A halo would not have fitted comfortably on his head. No, the evidence in 1 Timothy is plain. He was a real human being like us, with all the infirmities and vulnerabilities which that entails. What is remarkable is how different these two are. As you just saw, Timothy was young. Timothy was nervous and Timothy wasn't um, all that good at times and so much so he made himself sick. Paul was the opposite of that. Paul was very strong and out there. But these two had a connection, a connection that lasted a lifetime. The relationship between Paul and Timothy in the New Testament offers a great example for mentoring and for ministry. Paul obviously wrote letters instructing and encouraging Timothy these letters clearly state that Paul did expect Timothy to grow in his faith and follow in his example. These letters also show us how Paul's desires was for Timothy to become diligent, self-disciplined in his own life. He was imparting into Timothy's life. He was doing exactly what Barnabas was doing for him. 
for one of the most gratifying things in Paul's life would have been how to to see this young boy, Timothy, watching him grow, watching him step out, watching him lead and develop into a man of God. So what about us? What lessons can we get from this simple little relationship? Well, it's this. Every Christian needs a Timothy to guide as a protege. Like Paul, are you ready to invest your life in a Timothy? Like Paul, are you ready to invest your life in a person who is young, shy, inexperienced, weighed down with responsibilities, sick, looked down upon by others? Are you ready to invest yourself in a Timothy, a real person with real struggles? God's plan for teaching others what it means to follow Jesus isn't just about them listening to a Bible study or a sermon. Sure, they're part of the plan, but you know what else is part of the plan, teaching others what it means to follow Jesus? It's you. It's me. It is us together. We are part of the biggest plan of helping others understand what it means to follow Jesus. Are we ready to take the next steps of maturity in our Christian walk? Are you ready to have a Timothy in your life? The most compelling question a Christian can ask themselves is this. What am I doing today that will be an influence for Jesus Christ to the next generation? What am I doing today that will be an influence for Christ for the next generation? The answer to that question hinges on you and me mentoring and investing into our young people. It's about having a Timothy in our lives to guide as a protege. The most important thing we can do is empower people to fulfil their God-given purpose and to use their gifts for the kingdom of God. That's what Paul did for Timothy. He encouraged him, he walked with him and said, use your gifts and keep doing what you are doing. That's exactly what Barnabas did for Paul and it's exactly what Paul did for Timothy. Relationship impacting relationship. So I'm going to finish by giving you some very practical steps. How do you start guiding and mentoring others? Well, there's no magic formula for mentoring. Everyone will do it differently. But I want to give you six steps. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to lose your extra hour that you just gained. I'm going to give you six basic points that will help you really think about where do you sit with this. Here are my points. Firstly, make yourself aware. As a mentor, you have to be intentional. What do I mean? Most times it's going to require you to take the first step. Most times, most people aren't going to come up and ask you to be their mentor. Most people are not going to come up and ask you to invest time in them. You have to put in the effort. This is always about being aware of someone in your life, being aware who that person is that you can pour your life into. That means that you have to have eyes that are open. You have to be looking around and seeing what young person or what young person in the faith, they may even be older than you, but what person in the faith is there. Be aware of them because God's put them there. Once you're aware, make yourself available. You have to make yourself available. You've got to open up your life to allow people to come in. This means you have to be available. You have to be available to give them affirmation, available to love them no matter what they do, 
available to give them your time because they will take it. I have a mentor in my life and he's been in my life since Michelle and I got married. I love whenever I go with him, his time goes out the door because he says, now it's you and me. Every time we go to Adelaide, we catch up with him. He sits in his lounge room with his wife and he asks me five questions every time. And he says, I'm always here for you. I was nervous about doing my daughter's wedding in Adelaide. Guess who came? Rex came. He has given up his time. Make yourself advisable. You not only have to be aware, but you also have to be open to giving them advice. If you see someone who you are mentoring going the wrong way, don't sit back and wait for them to come and ask you for advice. Go to them. Tell them. Be bold. Go and be their guide. Go and help them. Go and give them the direction that you believe that they need. I know there's a saying that one problem with Christians is they're giving advice or answers to questions that no one's asking. But remember, I'm talking about a special relationship here. I'm talking about a relationship where you are mentoring and imparting your wisdom into this person's life. It's not just a friendship. It is more than that. I know for me, my mentor has done that quite often. He was the one, if you remember when Michelle and I said about going to Sherberg, he asked me, why, why wouldn't I go to Sherberg? And I said, what if I go there and my daughters are bashed? And he said, Garth, what if you go to Sherberg and they're brutally raped and murdered? He said, there's a God of love and grace. You know now, has he changed if that happens? You need someone who is going to be advisable, that has enough guts to tell you the truth. Make yourself admit Mentors need to be people who admit failings in their life. Mentors need to be able to tell a young person that they've failed, they've made mistakes. That way they can be real and we're not going to put ourselves on a pedestal. All of the things we need to admit in our lives, of all of them, one of the most important that will help us be mentor is a mentor needs to admit the true nature of their own sin. It is interesting to notice, how does Paul refer to himself to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1? He says this, I was once a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. He called himself a violent man that was ignorant and not a believer in the true God. And the final thing he calls himself is the worst of sinners. Mentors never behind hide behind who they are and their failings. They don't pretend to be not real. They don't say sin is only a little thing in our lives. They admit it. They admit the realness of the effect sin has had on their life. Why? Because it allows them to acknowledge the only reason they can become a mentor. How is that? By the grace of God. Make yourself acknowledgeable. To be the most effective mentor, you must make yourself acknowledgeable. You must acknowledge what God has done in your life. Now, I know that may sound like common sense, but as spiritual mentors, we need to acknowledge how much God has done in our lives. Why? Because we are only who we are because of the mercy of God. 
Without the grace and mercy of God, you couldn't mentor anyone. You couldn't impact anybody. That was Paul's message to Timothy. After Paul admits his sin, he goes on to acknowledge the mercy and the grace of God that he has received. He says, Timothy, I was a persecutor. I was the chief of all sinners. But he says, I am who I am today only because I have received God's mercy. He admits, I was once a violent blasphemer, a persecutor, a man that was ignorant and not a believer in the true God. And even today, I'm not much better than that because I'm the worst of sinners, he says. But he then acknowledges God had mercy on me. The temptation for many people is not to become mentors because they say to themselves, I have nothing to offer or I'm not good enough. Are you kidding? Seriously. That's admitting your sin and your failures, but it's not moving on to acknowledge the grace and mercy of God and the power that God has done in your life. Here Paul smashes that argument. He admits not only do I have nothing to offer, not only am I a horrible, sinful man, but he goes on and acknowledges what qualifies him to be a mentor to Timothy is not himself. It is the power of the gospel of God in him. He knows the mercy of God. He acknowledges the truth of the gospel. Salvation is for sinners. Salvation is personal. And Paul acknowledges this salvation has transformed his life. It has made him who he is today. We are all in the same boat. We did not receive mercy. We didn't receive punishment for our sins. That's the admitting part. But we must move on to the acknowledging part. We now have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. His life, his mercy, his grace has impacted you, hopefully. His life, mercy and grace have made you who you are today. His life, mercy and grace has given you the tools to impact and mentor others. What qualifies you to be a mentor? Confidence in the personal salvation of Jesus Christ that has transformed your life and set you free. That's what you have to offer. That is the mercy and grace of God. And that's what needs to be acknowledged. So whenever you're able to impart into another person's spiritual life, regardless of what you do or what you say, regardless of how much change you may think you've made in the person's life, never believe you've made a difference in that person's life. Always acknowledge and give credit to God. Why do I say that? Because you are who you are today because of the mercy and grace of God. If he gives you a Timothy, he knows what he's doing. And you can only give the grace and mercy of God to that Timothy because he's given it to you. I love how Paul puts this in Romans when he says in Romans 12.3, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. And my final point is make yourself amazed. To qualify as a mentor, we need to be amazed. We have just looked at how we as sinners have received the grace and mercy of God. Wes also spoke on it from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about how we have been atoned for. 
I don't know. But, you know, it's sad to say sometimes we no longer see the grace and mercy of God in our life as a big deal. We know we have it. We know God loves us. We know we're saved. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, the grace and mercy of God is a big deal. It is always a big deal. We need to be amazed by God's mercy in our life every day. We need to understand the incredible nature of God's grace in our life. We need to understand what an incredible gift it is. His gift to you is his mercy. This is forever to be praised and it is forever to be amazed. You need to be amazed by the transforming power that God still does in your life today. That's what you want to pass on to others. Our God is amazing. That's the message. Be amazed at what he can do in your life and then share that with other people. As I said, God's strategy for developing people into committed followers of Jesus isn't just a Bible study or a sermon. It's you. It's me. His plan is to use us to pour into other people's lives. We are meant to pass on to others what we have received. What the Lord has given to us, we are to give to others. I'm not sure if you looked at Packy Life this week, but if you saw my sermon title, it was this. Who's watching over your shoulder? <laughs> May sound like a city title, but it really came about because of something my family members said to me when I was growing up. I mentioned before how my dad was heavily involved in sport, loved sport. And yes, this did rub, on, rub, on, rub off on some of, his, for some of the kids. However, I'm not sure if I've ever shared this. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. But on my mother's side, we are a family of artists. We have artists, really, in my family. I have an auntie and a daughter who were qualified artists in Broken Hill. My brother became an artist when he left school and he worked in America as an artist for a few years and even today he's still an art teacher in a high school in Sydney. My sister's been an artist for many years and as of this week, she's just given up her normal work and she's now doing her art full time. I remember and my brother and sister telling me as beginning of artists, they had a special time. What am I talking about? This is what I'm talking about. This is my auntie. And that little girl there is my sister. I remember many times how my brother and sister would spend with my auntie in her studio in Broken Hill and watch her paint. Even though they are there's eight years difference between my brother and sister, even though they didn't go at the same times, even though they had different understandings, it's interesting whenever I spoke to my brother or sister about the experience of going painting with Arnie Pat, they all made, they both made the same comment. They said things like, I love those times with Arnie Pat. I would spend hours peeking over her shoulder, taking notes, watching intently every stroke she made on the canvas. I just wanted to learn how to paint off a master. And that's what they did. They spent hours watching over Arnie Pat's shoulder, watching her paint. Now you can see where I got the title. Do you have someone in your life who wants to peek over your shoulder? Do you have someone who your hindsight can become their foresight? 
Mentoring brings one of the richest experiences we can have as a Christian. It's no greater thrill than connect with another person and invest in them on a spiritual level. Every Christian needs a Timothy to guide as a protege. But remember, it's not you that is being poured into that person's life. It is the Holy Spirit within you. It is Jesus Christ and it is God. When you are mentoring through the Holy Spirit, you are helping others find freedom in Jesus Christ. You are helping or passing on to others how to find, believe and live in the mercy and grace of God. The same freedom and mercy you yourself have found. The same freedom and mercy you now so much believe in and appreciate each and every day. When you pass this on, lives are changed. Relationships impact relationships. Pray for a Timothy in your life. Someone to watch over your shoulder. How do you start? Do you have one? Well, even if you don't, let me tell you, we need help out of Ignite. You have the opportunity. There are 30 Timothys out there. You probably have people in your life, young people, where you can impart. I know this is a simple sermon, but can I actually act on it? Pray. Start to impact one another. Start to give what you've received to one another. I know for David, Jonathan and I, it's not to embarrass them, but one of the highlights we have as elders meeting is to listen to Don and Dennis because these guys have walked the road and they see things differently than we have. Sometimes Don and Dennis believe they don't have anything to offer and we say to them, don't ever think that. We need to be imparting into each other's lives. We need to be sharing the grace and mercy of God. We need people's hindsight to become our foresight. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for, it's just a simple story of two men in your Bible and Father, of the relationship they had. Lord, I pray that we'll go away and look at Acts 14 to 16 and just see the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. And Lord, as, as we read 1 Timothy again, may we see the mentoring relationship that he had. Lord, I thank you that you have come into our lives and imparted into our lives. You've impacted as well into our lives. And Father, I pray that as we continue on this sermon, we've one more to go, that uh, you will just continue to encourage us but challenge us. Who is our Barnabas? Who is that person mentoring, guiding and walking with us? And Lord, who are we doing it to? Lord, make us available. Make us to be open to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.